Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell Clater. And this is Jonah Trebowasser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary, sponsored by local Rotarians, your friends dedicated to service. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world, people sharing ways to improve your life. And Jonah, today we have one of our favorite guests Absolutely. on um, Radio Rotary. Returning is Eliza Bozinski from the Anderson Autism Center right here in the Hudson Valley, Rhinebeck, New York. Eliza, hi. Hi, good morning, Jonah and Sarah. It's great to be back with you this yeah, today. It's, we love it's having great you to have you. You are a pro. You're a radio pro. Let's, <laughs> right. let's do a shameless plug for your show. That, First. Yes. Uh, I'm always up for that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm the host of, um, it's called One in 59. It's had several different titles over the years because it's named for the current statistics of children being diagnosed with autism in this country. So currently that's One in 59. And it's heard and, on many um, of these uh, same stations. It is heard on many of the we're same colleagues. stations, and I record that on, on behalf of Anderson Center for Autism. We're, so, we're radio colleagues. Right. So, Eliza, let's, let's get a very basic definition out first. What is autism? Oh, uh, autism is a developmental disability, and it is actually autism spectrum disorder. The reason it's called a spectrum disorder is because the way it manifests itself in every individual unique person who's on the spectrum really looks different, and there's also a pretty significant range of the way individuals might be affected by autism, ranging from what some people would call very moderate um, or mild, even mild um, symptomatology, all the way to a more severely challenged um, manifestation. And uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's too long for me to get into all the details, but right. to give some examples, usually people with autism are affected in uh, in uh, the areas of uh, verbal language, um, communication, social interactions. Um, uh, so some individuals with autism communicate differently than uh, others uh, who might be referred to as neurotypical or other people with different abilities. Um, there might be a, a hypersensitivity to uh, sensory type of uh, things like noises, lights, um, textures, things that, you know, for, for myself, I might just not really like the feeling of a certain piece of clothing on my body. Same thing for somebody with autism. They might actually feel pain um, instead of just a level of discomfort and the ability to just take it off and put something else on. Sometimes making eye contact, actually, people with autism have said, some people with autism say that that is extremely uncomfortable for them and makes them feel uh, pain or something similar. And then for some people with autism, there's comorbidities with things like uh, seizure disorders. And at Anderson, we serve um, individuals with autism who are very, very challenged um, on, the, on the more challenged end of the spectrum. And so most of the people we serve um, are minimally verbal. If at all, some have no verbal language at all and communicate in very different ways. Um, and also the people at Anderson, um, by and large, have what's called IDD, which is an intellectual developmental disability, which means that they um, also are going to be struggling with uh, cognitive, um, cognitive development. So, so, Eliza... But there's a huge range. So, right. Okay. So, Eliza, when you... That was very comprehensive, by the way. I, we appreciate that. So sure, when thanks. you say that we service um, people with autism at the Anderson Center, exactly how do you do that? What... 
type of, for our listeners that are not familiar with the Anderson Autism Center, what type of facility do you have and how, how do people engage with you? Sure. So we have over 100 acres on our main campus, which is also, we refer to it as our children's campus, and it's in Statsburg. You said Rhinebeck before. Statsburg is right in between Rhinebeck and Hyde Park on Route 9. And uh, on those 100-plus acres, we serve uh, about 138, 140 children, ranging in age from approximately 7 years old to 21 in a residential program. So uh, only 14 of those students uh, our day students who come here for school and are bussed back and forth between home and school. The rest of our students on campus live here, and we are open uh, all the time, 365 days a year, 24-7. We have children who live in beautiful residences here on our campus, which feels very much, if you're here, like a almost like a college campus. It's you know, a village, uh, Eliza, village. Yeah, Eliza, yeah, I've had the pleasure of visiting your campus. It it's is absolutely beautiful. beautiful. It is stunning. <laughs> And right on the Hudson River. It is gorgeous. Yes. We're located right between, thank you, and we're located between the Hudson River and Route 9, and we're gated. But again, on that campus, so we have an academic program, we have a residential program, um, and then within that program, we also have an international fellowship program, we have a consultation department, we have pre-vocational and vocational training opportunities here for our students, and we also run currently 23, soon to be 25, group homes for adults ranging in age from about 21, 22, all the way up until their 50s at this point. Are and those are adults. out, those must be those out are, in the communities? Yes, Duchess, Duchess, Ulster, and uh, one, I believe, in Orange County um, right now, but mostly in Duchess and Ulster. And those are, those are your neighbors. Those are uh, homes that we maintain in beautiful residential neighborhoods, and we have about five individuals who usually who live in those homes with a group of staff who rotate in shifts, and uh, we are all a part of each other's communities, and it's a, it's a wonderful program. So um, we're not able to serve every graduate as an adult um, uh, because of the rate of graduates leaving and, and the rate of our ability to develop, and that's that's the case for all programs really everywhere um but but the vast majority of the adults that we serve um are uh were former students of our children's campus eliza a quick question um sure how does a parent first find out that the child needs your services how do they find out that a child is uh, on the autistic spectrum well the that's a great question um tools have become uh, much better for pediatricians, but the, but before you even go to your pediatrician, what we what, what we um, see happening more and more, which is good, is that families. If you're, you're a parent, you're going to be the first person to recognize that that something doesn't maybe seem to be making you know sense to you, or or maybe your child is just um, not making eye contact and not hitting their milestones when when you think that they might be. If you've had another child already, maybe you have a second child, and you know your child something just doesn't feel doesn't feel right. Gives you that maybe uneasy feeling. Families are usually the first time people. Parents are usually the first people to say, so, "I think something might be up." So so they go to their doctor, doctor? and pediatricians okay, so have. Pediatricians have tools now. They have assessments that they can do as early as, I think, uh, at least 18 months old, maybe even before that. Um, and we're seeing diagnoses happen now um, as early as 18 months, two years of age. And, Eliza, we'll find out more about that from you, Eliza Bozinski of the Anderson Autism Center, uh, right after our commercial messages. 
And Sarah's going to tell us who brings us Radio Rotary this week. Well, Jonah, Radio Rotary is sponsored by Salisbury Bank and Riverside Bank, Absolute Auction and Realty, Third Eye Associates, Patterson Auto Body, and the featured Rotary Clubs of Brewster Carmel, Clarkstown Sunrise, East Fishkill, Fishkill Goshen, Highland Hyde Park, Kinderhook Tri-Village, Kingston Liberty, Millbrook Nanuet, Greater Newburgh, and New City, New York. Now we're back with more Radio Rotary right after these important messages, so stay tuned. Hi, this is Beth Jones of Third Eye Associates Limited, providing life planning, financial transition planning, and wealth management strategies to help you integrate your life and your money. We are a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in New York City, Washington, D.C., and Red Hook, New York. Contact us to see how you can put Third Eye to work for you, thirdeyeassociates.com, or call us at 845-752-2216. This is Andrew O'Grady, CEO of Mental Health America of Dutchess County and the Mid-Hudson Addiction Recovery Centers, the Mark Agency. Are you a veteran or a family member of a veteran? Is life a struggle at times? Do you feel lost or alone? Let our MHA veterans help you. Contact Adam Roach at 473-2500. He and his team will do anything they can to assist you. MHA of Dutchess, the leader in helping our heroes and their families. Hi, this is Tony Marmo from Norman Staffing, and we've been bringing together employers and job seekers since 1980. If you're an employer and have job vacancies, let Norman Staffing help fill them with permanent or temporary workers. We screen, interview, and recommend the best candidates for your company. We make the employment process easier and faster for you. Please call Norman Staffing for your employment needs at 338-9111, 338-9111, or normanstaffing.com. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell Clater, and welcome back to this segment of Radio Rotary. I'm in the studio with Jonah Trebowasser, and guess what, Jonah? What? We are being joined by one of our favorite guests here at Radio Rotary, Eliza Bozinski from the Anderson Center in the beautiful uh, scenic Hudson Valley in Rhinebeck, New York, right, al- right along the river. Yeah. Statsburg, that's right. That's it's right. between Rhinebeck and uh, Hyde Park. On Hyde Park, on the way. It's like Brigadoon. Beautiful campus, if mm-hmm. if you've ever been on the campus. Um, and Eliza, what is your official title at the Anderson Center? Because I know you've grown with the organization. You've been there for a long time. You're you're really one of those out out there people for Anderson. So what what is your official title right now? Uh, my my title right now is Chief Development Officer, uh, but yes, I've been here for 13 years, actually, uh, 13 great years doing a lot of different things, but I've been running the foundation and the development office as well as a couple of other departments um, for the last almost nine years now. So that's that's a nice stretch, and sometimes our yeah. listeners like to know a little bit um, about our guests. So how did you get involved with Anderson? What is your background? Sure. Um, I, 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 think it, I think it's a good story, actually. Um, I, am, I was trained in social work, so I have a master's degree in clinical social work. Um, I was a psych major in my, for my bachelor's. Um, I grew up in a family of educators, and I always really wanted to teach, and so I did. When I graduated from school, um, I, was an, I actually was an early intervention service coordinator in the Bronx and Manhattan and Brooklyn uh, for about a year. That was my first professional job. Are but you I from? Spent, 
Are you from here originally, or are you from, I'm from the I'm city? I'm from or? Orange County. I'm from Orange okay. County, New York. So, okay. yeah, lo- pretty local. Um, and I, uh, but I spent all my summers, you know, working at camps and, and working in child cares. And um, so I, we loved kids, and I loved um, that experience of working with, with children in the classroom. So uh, as soon as an opportunity became available, I actually went and became a, a school teacher, a third and fourth grade teacher for seven years at a private school in Connecticut, and I loved every second of it. And over that period of time, my my enjoyment of teaching really shifted into my enjoyment of working closely with families, um, because in my role there, I was able to work very closely with families just because of the setting that I was in and the small class size and, and the way the school was set up. When I left that school, um, I actually moved up to this area and um, closer to where Anderson is. And um, after one stint, brief stint somewhere else doing admissions work for a school, I found Anderson. And it was just one of those um, perfect stars aligned kind of situations where I was looking for a position. I had experience as a service coordinator. I had experience with an admissions department. I had experience working with families. And it happened to be at the same time that Anderson was changing its name from Anderson School to Anderson Center for Autism. And they weren't advertising for this position, but I found out later that they were discussing hiring somebody who could oversee the admissions department, oversee the service coordination department, and kind of work uh, with our surrounding community members and families to so, identify how we could grow. Right place, um, right time. Exactly. And to, perfect to, to fit. To fulfill our name. Exactly. So um, so here comes my resume passed around by a couple people that, you know, when you're looking for work, it's kind of what you do. And, and I came in for a couple of interviews, and it was just an absolute perfect fit. And I've been here ever since. I've had opportunities to grow my career here. I've learned a tremendous amount. I've been clinical director. I've had titles I won't bore you with, but, you know, just really the greatest experience in getting to understand this organization. And my favorite thing is that in the position I have now, I work very closely, still work very closely with the Anderson families, and they are the most amazing people that I know. Um, what, what what got them so. to be involved with uh, autism? Did they have somebody in their family with that? The, the oh the the families I'm talking about yeah they, there's family these, these are the parents of the students and adults. Oh, I that thought we, you meant uh, the, 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 the the namesake, the Anderson family. Whom it's well, named the Anderson for. family. The Anderson, that's another interesting story, John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's let, let's get into have. that. <laughs> we have a so few Anderson, minutes. Go for it, Eliza. And, Anderson Center, uh, which initially and originally was called Anderson School, was founded in 1924 by a man named Victor V. Anderson. His grandson, a man by the name of Vance Gage, is still on Anderson's board of trustees. Is that right? Um, Vance grew up, um, or at least part of his, his, uh, his youth was spent on this campus. Um, he taught here for a while. He became a teacher. He ended up moving down to Washington, D.C. and teaching down there, and now he's retired. But, um, but Dr. Anderson founded Anderson School originally, I think, probably like many schools, you know, in the basement of, some, of a church maybe or something like that down in New Jersey. But very soon after, he moved it up to this property where we are today in wow. Sassburg, and uh, before that, it was just a privately owned one of those, you know, beautiful, right. big properties along right. the river, and he wanted to create a school for, it was basically a boarding school for, for mostly serving uh, the children of wealthy families in New York, um, whose children were probably not, very few of them, if any, probably had formal diagnoses, but they just right. weren't thriving um, where they were, and so um, initially it was 
come up to this beautiful country setting and, and have, you know, a, a boarding school experience run by a man who had uh, a strong belief in the fact that um, just because somebody didn't fit the, the mold of the 1920s success story, um, the way they learned or the way they behaved or whatever it might be, didn't mean that they didn't have value for their community and couldn't, you know, grow up to become uh, successful in, in their endeavors. And that has been, like, part of the foundation of this school forever, the idea that we are serving people with some kind of special need. In the beginning, it probably wasn't really known what everybody's needs were called. And over the decades, we've served different populations. We It wasn't until the 1970s that we opened our first um, uh, home for just, I think, uh, on campus for two young, youngish boys, I think, um, with autism. And that grew and grew and grew and grew. And then in the late 1990s, the decision was made to have Anderson become uh, specifically focused on serving people only with a diagnosis with autism. And so actually, because of that timing in our adult program, we still serve some uh, some adults who who either have a diagnosis of autism and something else, or some of whom probably, you know, may not have that diagnosis, right. but they were here at a time when we were hadn't made that decision to, to specifically focus on serving people with autism. So what a great that's story. Been, that's been the story. And we're this year, let's see, we're in 2020, yeah. um, so we're 96 years old. Very good. And we're going to find out more about the Anderson Center for Autism from our terrific guest, Eliza Bozinski, right after these important messages, so don't touch that dial. Salisbury Bank and Trust Company offers personal and business banking, residential mortgages, commercial lending, and trust and wealth management services. With 14 locations throughout the tri-state region, in Dutchess, Orange, and Ulster counties, the northwest corner of Connecticut, and southern Berkshire County, Massachusetts, which includes our Riverside Division offices in Poughkeepsie, Red Oaks Mill, Fishkill, New Paltz, and Newburgh. Salisbury Bank is your local bank in your community, making local decisions and delivering the highest quality of customer service. Salisbury Bank is your local bank for all of your personal business and wealth management needs. Visit them at salisburybank.com. That's salisburybank.com. Salisbury Bank and Trust, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Salisbury Bank, enriching. Salisbury Bank and Riverside Division locations will offer banking services through drive-up windows. All branch lobbies will be temporarily closed to the public. In addition, our e-banking, mobile banking, ATMs, bank by phone, and night depositories are available for many banking functions. Please visit SalisburyBank.com for up-to-date information. Salisbury Bank and Trust Company, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, this is Sue Doyle of Absolute Auction and Realty. Back in 1946, we began serving the auction and appraisal needs of the Hudson Valley. Today, our clientele spans the globe, but we still consider each person we meet to be an important member of our AAR family. From specialty collections to real estate, antique and estate to vehicles, we auction it all for people just like you. Whether you're a seasoned auction enthusiast or a novice, our website, AARauctions.com is packed with tips and examples designed to make your buying and selling experiences the best they can be. So enjoy your visit to AARauctions.com, tell your friends about us, and please come back often. That's AARauctions.com. 
At Patterson Auto Body, they know that a new car has more than 15 onboard computers operating everything from the engine to the radio. So technicians not only need to know about automotive repair, but electronics, physics, and chemistry too. The specialized education needed to become an automotive service technician today is equivalent to several master's degrees. Patterson Auto Body is very proud of their automotive technicians. Experience is a wonderful thing. Call 845-878-3456 for a service appointment today. That's 845-878-3456. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell Clater, and welcome back to the final segment of Radio Rotary Today. I am joined by Jonah Trebowasser, the co-host. Hi there, other co-host. And we have been really enjoying um, this show and this discussion with our good friend Eliza Bozinski. A fascinating topic and a fascinating guest. And she's a pro. She's a radio pro. She is um, from the Anderson Center of Autism right here in the bucolic Hudson Valley. And we've been catching up with her about what's going on there, what's new, um, diving deeper into exactly what autism is and how her um, organization, foundation, and campus, how they are able to help support um, and demystify uh, people with autism. Right. So, Eliza, for those who may have tuned in late, again, give us a little, very brief overview of uh, what autism is and what the Anderson Center does for those with autism. Sure. Well, Anderson at Anderson, we serve um, children and adults who are challenged by autism. Uh, Anderson uh, serves people who are on the more uh, severely affected end of the spectrum, um, which is a, a broad spectrum um, disorder. And uh, we have a residential program on our main campus for children through the age of 21. And then we run 23, soon to be 25, group homes for adults also with autism. And uh, in addition, we have all sorts of uh, other ways that we can support individuals in our community um, and fulfill our mission to optimize the quality of life for people with autism, and that includes an international fellowship program, a consultation business, and uh, and many other ways that we can positively impact um, our community, surrounding community, the broader community, and uh, even through our fellowship program, making an impact internationally as well. Now, if a, a parent at home, uh, you mentioned in the first uh, segment that uh, maybe they see the child isn't meeting certain goals that an older child has met. And if a parent at home is concerned, does a pediatrician t- test the child for autism? Does that something your staff does? How does, how do they how either does find work? out uh, they need need your services? Typically, um, the first after the family sort of notes that something might be a little different, or just even during a, a well baby visit, um, pediatrician might notice. Typically, I think it's the pediatrician who has a they they're equipped now with a set of questions and assessments that the family might fill out from a home perspective, um, and they would be usually the first people who would say and they think that the, that child might uh, be on the spectrum somewhere. Um, it's really not, we don't, we're not able to take children uh, uh, younger than five years old onto our program, and typically we don't see children until around seven or eight years old, and the reason why is because um, with early intervention opportunities, as well as what preschools and and even early elementary schools are equipped with, um, we are considered a restricted environment. Restrictive environment, meaning we have a high staffing ratio. We really serve people who are very, very challenged by autism. Typically, for younger children, even who are diagnosed early, um, there's a there's a level of service provision that allows that child to stay at home with their family, which is what we all ideally want. 
where they wouldn't be considering and the school district wouldn't be considering placement at a place like Anderson or another residential program until those other opportunities have really been exhausted. So there's there's like a there's kind of a trajectory that most families go on. Um, Anderson uh, does provide lo- uh, evaluations, um, but we this is not something that we do frequently, especially at the very young ages. Um, so, uh, so typically, it's the first step is you know if you think something's up, um, ask your child's pediatrician. Okay, well that's um, great information. Um, I think demystifying some uh, things about autism are also important to our listeners. So give us some some examples of that. What are some uh, myths um, that people may may assume about people with autism, Eliza? Sure. Uh, there are many, although I will say because I'm, you know, feeling positive and optimistic. It's Absolutely. a lot of changing for the better. A uh, couple things come to mind. One is um, there has been... Uh, some thoughts uh, over, you know, for forever, really, that uh, people grow out of autism, that it is a childhood disorder, and then when the person ages out of the school system at 18 or 21, uh, they don't have autism anymore. That is untrue. Autism is a lifelong disability, um, and it is something that uh, I would really encourage uh, all of us to be cognizant of. Um, there are different funding mechanisms. There are different services that are provided to children because of our school system um, and the way that's set up. And many of those services do stop at the age of 21, which unfortunately puts those individuals and their families in a really, really, really uh, stressful situation. Many families have explained to me that it feels like falling off a cliff just when they feel like their child is getting the services that they need to be successful and to start making progress and to really thrive. Um, they graduate from school and all of those services stop. So that's something that there is no uh, perfect solution for right now. What's going on really in, in the community is more of a broadening of an awareness and an understanding that there aren't enough services that are continuing for adults to help them remain independent and, and continue to grow in their independence, both in their home communities, living on their own, going to college if that's what they want to do, holding a job. And, well, let's uh, talk about that yeah. a little bit, about sure. in the immediate, in our immediate community. I know you mm-hmm. all um, interface with your immediate community um, right along Route 9 in, Stafford. on the other side, yeah, in Statsburg, yeah. Rhinebeck, Hyde Park, that, that strip there, that area. You've, you've been collaborating with some of the area businesses and things. Yeah to make them friendly or autism supportive it's called the autism supportive environment program and that's run through our consultation department yes that that i was that's exactly um it's not the only thing but it is one way um that we uh that we feel we can take our expertise out of the confines of our campus and help local communities and uh, eventually create a model where hopefully uh, many other communities that are farther away adopt the same kind of thinking. And this is, this is not the same as the Dutchess County Think Differently initiative, um, although right. there are many parallels. And we feel very lucky and very happy that uh, County Executive Molinaro and, uh, and his team have uh, helped 
uh, the autism supportive environments grow in Dutchess County by way of making grants available to Dutchess County businesses to get the training that Anderson provides. So no. we've been doing that for years. Um, coming in, training a business, uh, it could be anything from environment, uh, lighting, uh, having fidget toys available to just educating the staff and the business about, look, you're going to have people coming in with a loved one with, on the spectrum who might be nonverbal, who might be flapping his hands, who, you know, and here's some things that you can do to make them feel like they're welcome in your business as opposed to feeling like they have to leave. That that expanded uh, recently into the village of Rhinebeck, um, which was really exciting where the village uh, worked with us and has been working with us and continues to because we're about to get into phase two to turn the entire village of Rhinebeck into an autism-supportive community, which is the first of its kind that we are aware of. Um, and uh, the whole community has rallied around um, becoming more aware, uh, making changes to the businesses. Um, the hashtag was hashtag do one thing, so every business was encouraged to do one thing to become more autism-supportive. And we're continuing that work with the village of Rhinebeck and uh, thrilled about that. Eliza? And we just... We're, yeah, we're, go we've ahead. got about 30 seconds left, so I want oh, you to get sorry. out your your, your uh, information about your website. If people want to know more about autism or the Anderson Center for Autism, what's your website? Sure, it's andersoncenterforautism.org, and it's been a pleasure. Eliza, the pleasure's been ours. Thank you for everything you're doing for those uh, with autism. Thanks for joining us today on Radio Rotary. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. And Sarah, who do we have to thank for sponsoring Radio Rotary this week? Radio Rotary is sponsored by Mental Health America of Dutchess County, Mark, Mid-Hudson Addiction Recovery Community, Norman Staffing, and by the featured Rotary Clubs of New Paltz, Patterson, Pearl River, Philmont, Pleasant Valley, Poughkeepsie, Arlington, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, Southern Ulster, Suffren, Walkill East, Wappinger Falls, and Warwick Valley, New York. For the entire Radio Rotary team, my co-host Sarah O'Connell Clater, our producer Kathy Kruger, and the Wizard of the Button our great engineer, Mr. Jay Verzi. This is Jonah Trebowasser thanking you for tuning in and inviting you to join us again next week at this very same time for another edition of Radio Rotary. And don't forget our website, radiorotary.org. There is always a reason to live. This is Andrew O'Grady, CEO of MHA of Dutchess County and the Mark Agency. Suicide impacts tens of thousands of people each year and is often the result of untreated depression. Do not let the stigma keep you from talking to your doctor. The Claudio Cares Foundation and MHA want everyone struggling with depression to know that we all have a reason to live. Don't be a statistic and don't leave your loved ones wondering what they should have or could have done. What is your reason to live? Call MHA at 473-2500.